Hello, everyone. Hello. I am Deborah, for anyone um, who I've not met before. Um, and I'm just going to adjust my stand a minute. Um, thank you. Thanks, Holly. How is everyone doing this morning? Yeah, yeah, a bit chilly. A bit chilly, a bit chilly. I was wearing my gloves when we were worshipping. It was all fine, apart from when I wanted to clap. Um, it didn't really work when I wanted to clap. Um, yeah, a little bit chilly this morning. Um, but we are starting, uh, well, no, we're not starting. We are continuing uh, our series uh, called The Way of Jesus. And um, we're thinking about uh, how we do life this morning, how we do life, how we decide what our priorities are, what determines how we spend our time and our money and our energies. You know, some people seem so certain about their priorities and how they want to live their lives. Some people seem very sure about life. I think we've got a little uh, slide to show, um, just as a quick example there we go. Um, uh, lots of opinions about how to live a good life. Psychologists study this lots. Uh, and there is a particular psychologist called Abraham Haslow. And uh, he came up, uh, next slide, with a list of basic needs humans require to be able to survive at the bottom and to, to really thrive at the top. Basically, things that we need uh, to be able to do life well. Now, for the 21st century, some people have reinterpreted this, okay? Uh, and then during the start of the pandemic, it was amended again. Okay. And here is the British version. I'm not sure you can quite see. Cup of tea, a biscuit, and a nice sit down is all we need as, uh, if we are British. Um, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus laid out uh, a way for us to live well. So we're carrying on, as I said, our, our Way of Jesus series. And we're, today we're looking at what Jesus said was the way that we might have a good life, a blessed life, a way for us to live a life of peace and purpose and, and satisfaction. So we're going to read now from Matthew chapter 5. So now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
So this list is often called the Beatitudes, as, as each sentence starts with the, with the phrase, blessed are. That's where the, the, the name Beatitudes comes from. Then the first four, if you look at it, the first four are primarily focused on our, our relationship with God. And the last four are primarily focused on our relationship with, with other people. Now, if you were to mention blessing to a, a Jewish person in that day, when Jesus, you know, first spoke those words, there's no doubt that they would start talking about wealth and happiness and a large family and long life. Just like today, many people thought that happiness or blessing came from having great possessions or holding a good position or having the best that money could buy. So what Jesus said here would have been really just counterintuitive to those first listeners. You know, Jesus described being blessed as uh, being, living a good life as, as the exact opposite. You're blessed if you're poor. You're blessed if you mourn. You know, those words would have been as strange uh, to, to the, the first listeners as they are to us today. So what was Jesus getting at? What was he trying to teach? What is the Jesus way? And does it have any relevance to us today? That's what we're looking at this morning. So we see in the Gospels time and time again, Jesus used familiar everyday experiences or emotions to help his followers understand a deeper and more spiritual point. So here he was choosing concepts that they would be familiar with, uh, like poverty and mourning, to get his listeners' attention but then to help them think beyond their physical states to their, their spiritual states. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, this first beatitude is particularly important because I think it's the, it's the gateway to all the other blessings. Until we recognize our poverty of spirit, we can't access the other blessings Jesus goes on to list. You know, Jesus isn't, isn't glorifying poverty here. He, isn't, uh, he wasn't saying that poverty and hunger and persecution was blessing in themselves. After all, he put lots of energy into uh, alleviating suffering. But he's describing an inner attitude but still, you know, being poor in spirit doesn't sound like a good thing either. But there were, there were two words, two words uh, in, in the Greek for poverty. One meant lack of wealth and therefore you need to work. You need to work. And the other one meant desperately impoverished and therefore completely dependent on others for support. And Jesus used that desperately impoverished word here. It, it sort of indicates someone who is begging for whatever they can have and whatever they can get. Jesus is saying that to be blessed by God, we need to recognize that we have nothing to offer him, that we are totally dependent on him. We need to get to that place where we recognize we are completely dependent on him. 
You know, many people, let me over the next slide, many people uh, are often under the illusion that if we just live a good life with our halos on, then we'll get to heaven. You know, I'm a, a pretty nice person. I don't rob banks. I don't kick my dog. Um, I, surely that means I'll get to heaven. Or perhaps they might think, you know, I, I've got my life pretty much sorted. I'll just ask God for the really big, tricky stuff in my life. But the Bible tells us something different. Uh, Romans 3, verse 23, says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, none of us are good enough. None of us are nice enough to come anywhere near God. But the next verse tells us the solution. And all are freely justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. You know, we can't come into God's presence by being good. The Bible tells us that if we, uh, if, if we invite Jesus into our life, then he and only he makes a way for us to come into God's presence. Jesus, the one perfect human who gave his life as a sacrifice to pay the ransom for all mankind. Jesus, who beat the power of death and shame and hell by his sacrifice that we get to profit by. By accepting Jesus' sacrifice for us, then we can come into God's presence. We can be blessed by God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But even when we have this knowledge, even when we know it's only only through Jesus that we can come into God's presence we can still be prone to thinking that somehow our goodness the way that we act somehow influences God maybe we sometimes think I, I just need to sort myself out before I can come back to church or you, you might hear other people's stories and think, I just, I need to work harder. I, if God's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to need to pray harder if he's going to answer my prayers. Or perhaps life is, is tough at the moment and you think maybe these things that have happened, are happening right now are because of the way I've messed up in the past. But verse 4 says... Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus is saying here, yes, mourn over our own sin and its effect. But it should be a pathway towards God, not stopping us getting closer to him. When we mourn over our sin, there's a promise that we will be comforted. When we recognize and confess our sin, the things we've done or, or thought that are wrong, the Bible tells us that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, uh, abounding in love. Psalm 103 says, He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. It's exactly when we recognize our inadequacy before God that we can receive his blessing. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus goes on to say in verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, the Greek word uh, here for meek doesn't mean spineless or, or feeble. It means gentle and considerate. It means broken, not in the sense of a glass that's been shattered, but in the, the sense of a horse that is broken, that is tamed, uh, uh, with great strength under control. When we realize the infinite love God has for us, when we recognize how much he, he cares for us, when we see the care that he put into creation and, and we recognize that, that he has that same care and, and attention to detail to our own lives, when we realize that, that the Bible tells us he never slumbers or sleeps, his eyes are always on us, he watches over our comings and our goings both now and forevermore. When we recognize we have a God who we can trust, then it breaks the need we have to control our lives. Our spirits become broken, just like that stallion, no longer fighting against the reins. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, what a relief when we realize we don't need to be scrambling around to hold everything together when we don't need to be constantly fighting for my rights and my priorities or to prove my worth it's such a relief to hold out our hands in surrender and say you are god i'm not yeah have you ever walked into your kitchen with your stomach rumbling way past lunchtime knowing that you should make yourself a sandwich but instead you grab a chocolate biscuit or a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps and stuff it down and immediately you regret it it you know it only stops the hunger pangs for a few uh, a little bit and now you feel a little bit sick I know I have. Um, and it can be the same with life itself. We all hunger for something. We can live life feeling just unsatisfied, like something's missing. You know, we can fill it with career or food or stuff or even family and friends, but it might help for a bit. But ultimately, we remain unsatisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Only if we point our hunger and thirst towards being in a right relationship with God, that's what uh, righteousness means then can we be filled or satisfied? Only Jesus serving him, spending time in his presence can really satisfy us. At the end of a, a long day or even in the midst of a really difficult one, we might want to just escape by scrolling through social media or watching silly YouTube videos just to distract us from our own lives. But that's just like grabbing that chocolate bar in the kitchen when we're hungry, it's, it's not going to satisfy us. 
you know, let's redirect our hunger and thirst towards God. Let's just instead take a moment to, uh, to ask for his Holy Spirit to come and fill us. Let's for a moment just grab on Bibles and, and just meditate on a, an, on a verse to, to satisfy us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I'm coming into land now, just giving you a warning. So these first four Beatitudes are about our inward response to God and what he's done. They focus on our relationship with God. And the the next four focus on our relationship with others. I'm not going to go through each one of them. Don't worry. Um, But without that inward response to God, we haven't got the capacity to follow Jesus' teaching on how we should treat other people. If we don't truly love those around us, But if we don't truly love those around us, then we're not living the Jesus way. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, if we're living the Jesus way, there's a call on our lives to show mercy to others. Just as God has poured out his mercy on us. You know, if we don't feel much like showing mercy to someone, then we're probably lost sight of what we're like inside. We're no longer that poor in spirit. There's a call on our lives to live uh, with honesty and integrity. There's a call on us to be peacemakers, to be humble and give over our rights and priorities, to make peace uh, to, with others. Not, and, and also to, to not actually to expect anything but trouble in return. But it's hard. It's hard to live like that. It can be a constant struggle to keep forgiving, to keep our hearts soft towards people who aren't treating us well. The stresses and pressures of life can take a toll on us. It's hard to keep living the Jesus way. You know, we need to keep reminding ourselves of the blessings that we have in God in order for us to treat others in a blessed way too. You know, I just think maybe this morning as we, as we come into land, I think that perhaps there are people here today who are just thinking, I'm a bit lost I'm a bit lost. Perhaps you've experienced God at work in your life before, perhaps just many times. But right now, you're just feeling quite a long way from God. and You don't know how to get back. Maybe you're feeling lost because you're all, you know, all this God stuff is really new to you. And, uh, and you don't know what the next step should be. It's all a bit confusing. Maybe lost isn't quite the word for you. Maybe broken is the word that you would use. Or empty. If that's the case, then I've got some really great news for you. God is near. His kingdom is at hand. He has got you exactly where he wants you. He wants us to come to him with empty hands 
open wide, knowing that we are poor in spirit and we are completely dependent on him. You know, when we're in that place, he promises to comfort us, to clean us up, to fill us up. So we're going to, I'm just going to pray now. going to invite the band to come on the stage. going to invite everybody to stand with me. And we're just going to take a moment now to come to God. Just encourage you, if you feel like it, if you'd like to, if you feel like she... Yeah, I need, I need something more. I need something more of God right now. Why don't you just hold out your hands? It's just a sign to say, yeah, I recognize I'm poor in spirit and I need you. And I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come meet with us. Jesus. Yeah, we say we need you. We can't live this life the way that you want us to without you. Will you meet us now, Jesus? We're just going to wait on him just for a moment. It's going to be quiet. God's here. He's not, but he's not in a rush. We're not in a rush. It's a safe place. Sometimes we just need that that time just to soften up. Jesus. Mm. More of you. Mm. Mm. You can feel really uncomfortable to be broken. You can feel really uncomfortable to feel lost or empty to, act, to acknowledge that we need someone or something but God is here he can be trusted to come. Will you meet with us this morning? We need you, Jesus. We need you.
Let's just stay in this place of receiving. I'm going to worship a little. Maybe you would really appreciate someone praying for you this morning. I've got um, Janet and I going to stand at the back. We'd, be, we'd really love to pray for you this morning if you'd like that. There's people around you who I'm sure will be, pray- will be willing to pray for you too. Let's worship together now.